0: Well, good morning. It's good to see you this morning as we celebrate the last day of 2023. And I would like to thank you. Um, As a staff, we would like to thank you for your gracious uh, gifts that uh, you have given uh, the staff here. Uh, We appreciate that. And the biggest gift is your faithfulness. And uh, we have a great group of people we're if you're visiting with us we're an imperfect church uh full of imperfect people led by imperfect people but desiring to serve and follow a perfect god and uh this morning we you know several months ago we made the determination with christmas eve and new year's eve on sundays what should we do and we we had some different ideas and uh knowing many people would be traveling to to be with family and friends, and you also have sickness that usually comes, and we thought, okay, so we have our normal services, and uh, you know, in first service and second service, we have, uh, you know, we could just all sit in the middle in a little circle and uh, talk, and so we said, well, let's just have one service, and and people talk about that, say, I don't know many people in the other service. I know some of you rotate, but a lot of you, it's either the 9 o'clock or 10.30. And so you're like, you know, I don't know those people in that other service. It's like I I don't know them at all. So he said, this would be a great time to do that. And uh, as you see, we probably uh, misjudged. And... uh, (laughs) in a good way, but I greatly appreciate your willingness to uh, pack in, and, uh, and I, know, uh, uh, I know some of you have your seat, and when you got here, somebody else was sitting in it, <laughs> but I didn't see any chairs thrown or anything like that. So thank you for your understanding and your graciousness, and I trust you'll be encouraged today. And, and also with our children's ministry, they do such an amazing job, Shelby and the team do a great job, and, and so we thought this would be a, a, a great time for older kids to be in the service, uh, and uh, so we just had it up through four years old today, and your understanding in that, and I trust that it will be an encouragement for everyone who is here, and so appreciate uh, your willingness to adjust a little bit. Now, next Sunday, we'll be back to our 9 and 10.30 services, and uh, so regular service schedule next week. One thing I I do need to mention, uh, the Dick Reese Memorial. As many of you know, some may not know, he passed away on December 23rd, and we're having a memorial service here on Wednesday. And thank you for all of you who have reached out and encouraged the Reese family. We want to celebrate Dick's life with Janine and the family on Wednesday, 11 o'clock. So I hope you'll be able to come here and join with them in a celebration of Dick's life. We also could use some salads and some desserts, and their sign-up. I know some of you have already signed up via the website or called in, and I already saw a few names this morning there on the list before the service began. But if you'd be able to help with that, we would surely appreciate that, and we need to uh, pray for Janine and the family. And, uh, and we were talking about this, and... and uh, you know how God graciously took Dick as he was fighting cancer and uh, how Dick had his best Christmas ever uh, because he had his Christmas with his Savior and the hope that we can have and so we want to celebrate that on Wednesday and to, to walk along with Janine and the family and uh, pray for them, encourage them and celebrate his life with them and also the sadness of missing Dick. Dick. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you, we are amazed at your goodness. As we look forward to another year, we celebrate your faithfulness in 2023. In the good times and in the difficult times, we see your hand, your comfort in our struggles, and the joys of your provision. And Lord, as we Look forward to a new year, Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us to seek you as individuals and as a church, and Lord, help us to glorify you. We pray for the Reese family today, Lord, we pray for Janine and and the rest of the family. I pray that you would just encourage them in the hope of heaven that we can have through Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're beginning at part two of a series. We've been going through the book of Luke, but we intentionally started it at the beginning of uh, December because those first couple chapters of Luke focus on the birth of Jesus Christ. But we're going to continue in Luke for for a while here, and uh, we're going to uh, be looking this morning, beginning in chapter four, so we continue looking at the book of Luke, but we've. Entitled this series, Against the Flow, because Jesus did things that went against the flow and he challenges us to do things that go against the flow. So I want to encourage you as we uh, continue through Luke to maybe take some time and and be reading through the book of Luke and uh, seeing the amazing things that Jesus did that are captured in this, the third gospel of the New Testament. This morning in the first verses of chapter 4, we're looking on how to handle temptation. And we see the temptation of Jesus Christ. And I had uh, the idea of temptation played out in our house this week, and I think we have a picture of it here. Yeah, so we had my, uh, all of our kids were able to come come home for Christmas, and uh, our son Zach and his wife Anna brought their new puppy that's four months old and he is the cutest troublemaker you've ever seen. So we just have this, but, but there's things like self-control or impulse control. His name is Moose, and he's not as big as he's going to be, but he's already a pretty decent size, but Moose lacked impulse control. I mean, uh, One of our children had just made a a burrito and had it sitting on the table, and Moose enjoyed it very much. (laughs) And he's just the height where he could jump or put his paws up on the counter and, and reach anything within about eight inches on the counter. So after about day three, you figured we would realize it on day one, but after day three, we would push everything back to the back of the counter. We weren't worried about the table until we found him up in the middle of the table one day. And so we decided, you know, Moose struggles with temptation. So we need to do what we can to keep him from being tempted. And in our lives, we all face and struggle with temptation. But as Jesus was tempted here in these first verses in the in Luke chapter four, we see some important lessons we can learn how to fight and have victory over the te- over temptation. Let's begin looking at the first two verses. The background of temptation. Beginning in verse 1, it says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. You say, that doesn't sound like temptation. Well, it does say that he was tempted for 40 days by the devil. We're given Three examples of temptation that took place at the end of this 40 days, but you can be confident, throughout that time, Satan had tempted Jesus. So a little bit of background, we find that Satan tempts after a victory. We can remember it this way, the action of God invites the reaction of the devil, Jesus had just had his baptism. You read that in chapter 3. And this could be considered his coming out party. And what a magnificent event it was. Jesus was baptized. And the Holy Spirit says, The Holy Spirit came down like a, lo- like a dove. Excuse me. And the Father spoke from heaven and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. An amazing event. But right after that, Satan tempted Jesus. Satan can attack us after a victory. It seems like this may be a time where we don't feel or see that as much, but Satan attacks in many different ways at many different times, and one of the times is after a magnificent victory in our lives. We can let our guard down, or we become confident in our own abilities rather than trusting God, and Satan goes after us if you remember the nation of israel in the old testament as they were coming out from egypt they had just seen the amazing miraculous plagues that god had placed upon egypt were to the, finally were the point where pharaoh said all right you can go and the people leave but guess what happens satan causes pharaoh to have a change of heart And what does Pharaoh do? He sends his army after the nation of Israel. And you read the response of the Israelites. They failed in their ability to trust God. They doubted God's faithfulness and goodness in their lives. After they had just seen miracle after miracle after miracle. miracle, Victory after victory. As God gave them freedom from the Egyptians. You look at the life of Elijah. He had just had a miraculous victory on Mount Carmel when Jezebel, the queen, threatened him. And what did Elijah do? He ran out into the wilderness, separated himself from anyone that could be an encouragement or a help to him. And he sat underneath a tree and he said, I'm all alone. God, just kill me. It's not worth it. He failed to believe in the provision and the goodness, faithfulness of God. After this amazing victory where he saw victory over the 450 prophets of Baal and God miraculously bringing fire from heaven to consume a sacrifice. If you're here this morning and you say, you know, 2023 has been great. We've had so many successes in our lives and and things are just going great. I'm, I'm doing well. Beware, because Satan will attack when you're on the mountaintop. But we also see that Satan tempts us when we're weak. In two different ways, he looks to attack us in areas of weakness or times of weakness. We should put and times of weakness. We'll see in today's passage that he tempted Jesus with food after Jesus had just fasted for 40 days, a time of weakness physically as as Jesus was hungry, but also areas in our lives. Now, obviously, Jesus, the perfect Son of God, still human, but God was able to overcome that, and there's no areas of weakness for him. But for each of us, there's areas of weakness. And if I ask you to come up front and and share the areas of weakness, every single one of us could come up here and say, yeah, these are areas where I struggle. And Satan is going to attack us in those areas. Satan is not all-powerful, but he's powerful. He's not all wise, but he is wise, and he knows when and how to attack. Writing on this passage, Chuck Swindoll shares four phases of temptation, and I like the way he breaks it down. First of all, he talks about the appeal, where Satan brings something forbidden that promises fulfillment apart from God's provision something that goes against God's law or God's plan that Satan brings into our lives and attempts to cause us to believe that that will bring fulfillment. Looking back at probably the most famous temptation in Scripture, the temptation of Adam and Eve, we see that Satan ca- or tempted Adam and Eve with the ability to be like God. You can be wise just like God. And they could be in control themselves rather than having to rely on God. The appeal. Satan is not foolish. Temptation looks good. If you're struggling with food, I don't think Satan is going to tempt you with tofu and kale. (laughs) Now, if you're like me, maybe you like those things. But uh, if you're like me, he's going to tempt you with... Ice cream and pie and pizza and things like that. He knows the appeal. But then uh, Chuck Swindoll goes on and talks about the second phase, and that's the struggle. Where the tension builds between the appeal of sin and the belief in God's goodness. What did Satan do? He caused Adam and Eve to question God's goodness in their lives. And then the response... A decision on our part is made either to disobey or to wait on God and trust him. Adam and Eve chose to eat the fruit to disobey God. And then the last phase is the aftermath, the consequences. What are the ultimate consequences of sin? Or the consequence of choosing to follow God and Resisting the temptation. And we will see that ultimately the consequences of falling to the temptation of sinning breed destruction and despair. But yet when we choose to resist temptation and obey God, we are blessed. Adam and Eve felt the consequences of sin. The struggles that they faced, as you read the curse there in Genesis chapter 3, but also the separation of God which brought forth death. Not just for them, but for everyone who has ever lived. So let's look at the three temptations here that Jesus faced that are shared by Luke in this passage. The first one in verses 3 and 4 is, we could call it a personal temptation. Beginning in verse 3, it says, And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these, this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. What was Satan's temptation? His temptation for Jesus was to doubt God's love and provision. That word, if, there could be translated Since. Both Jesus and Satan knew that Jesus was the Son of God. Neither of them had any doubts about that. And so, really, Satan could have said, Since you are the Son of God, take this stone and make it bread. Jesus had the right to something that the Father had withheld. Here's what Satan did he wanted Jesus to act independently of the Father. And we can face that same temptation. I want to do it my way and get what I want. Our wants and desires become more important than God's word and his will. We can see this in many, many areas of our lives. Unfortunately, one of the areas that we see it in is in relationships, specifically marriage. You know, he or she is not meeting my needs. They're not giving me what I want. So I'm going to respond either in kind by not giving them what they want or even by walking away. That's not God's plan. You see, Satan wanted them, or wanted Jesus, to doubt God's love And provision. And he does that same with each and every one of us. So what was Jesus' response? And we'll see in each of these three, his response is a quote from an Old Testament passage from the book of Deuteronomy. This one is Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 3. It says, So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna that you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. They could see God's provision and God's love in taking care of them. And Jesus said, I'm going to follow God's plan. I'm going to do it God the Father's way rather than my own way. We see a second temptation in verses 5 through 8, and that's the temptation of power. Beginning in verse 5, it says, Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give to you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. So what was the temptation here? We see the temptation that Satan was giving to Jesus was that Jesus could have a shortcut to power. Jesus was tempt- or Satan was tempting Jesus to find a way to bypass the cross. All Jesus had to do was just take a moment and worship Satan. And Satan, who has been given authority over this world during this time, would be able... To say, all right, Jesus, just worship me just momentarily and I'll give you the kingdom of the world. Oh, but there was so much more behind that. Jesus knew what was ahead in his life. He knew the fact that he had come here to this earth to die for our sins. And the death on the cross. And Satan was like, you know You don't have to do it that way. You don't have to follow God's plan. Just do what I tell you to do, and I'll give you things. It's a shortcut to what you would like. Satan loves to do that. You see, we don't want to do it God's way. We want to do it the easy way. Or sometimes we use the statement, the end justifies the means. Yeah, I'm not doing it the right way, but... Jesus knew that eventually he would be king of kings. Well, he was God, but he would be put on the throne forever and ever, king of kings and lord of lords. He knew what takes place in the book of Revelation. We win. But this would be such an easy shortcut to get there. And so we see Oftentimes we say, you know, yeah, I'd like this and I don't want to work hard to get it or I don't want to wait for it so I'm going to do it my way. Again, you'll see that these temptations cross over in what Satan desires for us to do. Just like turning the stone into bread. I want to eat, I want to eat now. Here, I want to have... The glory without the pain. And we see that Satan's temptation was very powerful. However, Jesus responded by rejecting and resisting the temptation. His response is found in Deuteronomy 6.13, which says, You shall fear the Lord your God and serve him and shall take oaths in his name. God is the only one who we worship. You see, whoever we worship will be the one we serve. And Jesus was going to worship the Father alone. In his humanity, still fully God, but yet coming in human flesh, he was going to do it God the Father's way. We see the third temptation in verses 9 through 12. It says, Then he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said unto him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. What was the temptation here? This one may be a little more confusing, but here's what Satan did. Satan tempted Jesus by saying, Jesus, you can put on a show and the people will be amazed. Jump off the pinnacle of the temple and there was a spot on the temple which was right above the Kidron Valley and so it was about 450 from that pinnacle of the temple down to the valley floor below. And can you imagine the people as they, as they see or hear about Jesus up there and he, and he jumps off and God to fulfill his plan has to bypass his original plan to send angels to protect Jesus. And what would happen when Jesus came back to the front of the temple after being rescued by angels midair? Whoa, whoa. That temptation. And you see what Satan was doing. He wanted Jesus to do it his own way and make God do something to protect his son. In other words, we do things and say, God, you need to do this for me. And so, you better bless it. It's sort of like the people that are going to rob the bank and say, all right, God, we're going to rob this bank, and, but you better keep us safe, and, and we'll give a tithe. Making it sound a little more spiritual. Right? You say, that's silly. But asking God, or telling, not asking, telling God, God, this is what I'm going to do now, you bless it, is a temptation that we all face. But that's not God's plan. Satan quoted from Psalm 91. Jesus had been quoting Scripture to Satan, so now Satan gets into the quoting, and he quotes from Psalm 91, 11, and 12. It says, For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Now, it's interesting. Satan quoted directly from Psalm 91, but he skipped part of it He skipped the phrase, in all your ways there, from verse 11. And what does Satan do with Scripture? He twists or misuses Scripture to try to encourage us to fall to temptation. And here he was challenging Jesus to demand the Father to do something for him. But what was Jesus' response? Deuteronomy 6.16, You shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted him in Massa. And you say, what's that? Well, back in Exodus chapter 17, they were at this place that they ended up calling Massa, where the people wanted water and God brought them water. But what did they do? They demanded that God bring them water. We deserve this. Now you do it, God. And you say, boy, that's a pretty strong statement. But we can do the same thing, can't we? God, I deserve that, and I expect you to give it to me. And so we see these three temptations. And so I want you to think about the battle of temptation in your life, in all of our lives. We see the battle of temptation. It's interesting that the closing verse here says in verse 13, Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him, departed from Jesus, until until an opportune time. There's a couple things as we finish here this morning that we need to remember. The first one is this, expect the devil or Satan to tempt you. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. According to a Barna research poll, 40% of people who consider themselves Christians do not believe that Satan is a real being, but instead a symbol of evil. Folks, that's dangerous. Throughout Scripture, we see that Satan is alive and well. And one of the things that's happening, and it's even happening in the church, is where more and more we're looking at Scripture figuratively rather than literally. Now, there are figurative statements in Scripture. But to best understand and apply Scripture, use this simple plan or solution. God's scripture is literal unless obviously figurative. And what happens? We can say it's figurative and so we can explain away any activity or decision we make and say, well, yeah, that was just a figure of speech. But what's happening in our world is we see more and more people are questioning the reality of Satan. Satan. But 1 Peter 5.8 reminds us that Satan is alive and well. And his goal is to keep people from coming to Jesus Christ. And when people come to Jesus Christ, then his goal is to cause them to fall and fail. And we need to recognize that. Notice the last words of verse 13. It says, until an opportune time, Satan was not done when we have victory we can say all right i won satan lost i resisted temptation life is good no i can coast now satan always looks for another way at another time and it's a daily battle satan will not stop he may change tactics but he will continue to tempt us and then we need to recognize temptation. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Satan tempts us in three basic areas that are described in these verses. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. You look at the temptation of Adam and Eve. Each of these three areas, Satan attacked them. The lust of the flesh, it says that the fruit was to be desired. The lust of the eyes, it looked good. And the pride of life, it would make them like God and he attacks and tempts us in the same exact ways. Satan wants us to question God's love and provision. He wants us to seek our own desires rather than God's will, and he wants us to bypass God to get what we want. But then we need to resist temptation. James 4, verse 7 says, Therefore, to submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You see, temptation wins when we take our eyes off God or doubt him. What Satan wants us to do, what did he do with Adam and Eve? He caused them to doubt God, that God really cared about them, that God really loved them. How would a loving God keep you from eating the fruit of that tree? How dare God do that? Satan does the same thing with us. But, oh, I want this. We use the term a felt need. Now, sometimes felt needs are good, but oftentimes felt needs is I want what I want, when I want it, how I want it. And Satan causes us to take our eyes off God or to doubt him. But we know we can have victory over temptation when the Holy Spirit is in control. You see it... Twice in verse 1, and then in the beginning of this next section, in verse 14, you see it again. Jesus Christ in the Spirit, or led by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit directing our lives can keep us from falling to temptation. We can have victory when he is in control. In 1961, there was a group called the Tokens. Do you remember the Tokens? All right. You know, they had a number one song in 1961. Did you know? Obviously, you didn't know that because you didn't even know who they are. But I named the song, and you go, oh, yeah. The song was called The Lion Sleeps Tonight. Anybody hear that song? All right. There we go. Now we're on the same page. But actually, it was originally in 1939 in Zulu, African, was the first recording of it in their native language there. in Actually, in the 1950s, it was recorded by some people. But 1961, it became famous, as it was recorded by a group called the Tokens. I think I don't know a whole lot about the Tokens. I know more than you do about the Tokens, obviously. <laughs> I don't think they had many more or any more popular songs. But that one, and over the years, multiple artists have recorded it and you say the name of the song, and we all start to hum it in our mind. Or maybe some of you are humming it out loud, and people next to you are looking at you, going, "Like, what are they doing?" Right? In the jungle, the mighty jungle, the lion sleeps tonight. And then the question is, it a wingawaka womawa? What is that thing? <laughs> Actually, I know a little bit more about that too. It was Wemmawa which was a mispronunciation of the African word, which means you are a lion. Huh? You're impressed. I can Google things on the internet. (laughs) So what happens? We sing that song and we think, this is cool, in the jungle, and it is a catchy tune, isn't it? And I thought maybe I'd play a few lines of it for you today, and that'd be sort of cool. But then I thought, you leave today, and the only thing you're going to be doing is thinking... In the jungle, them. you're going to just you're going to be, forget everything else I said. Just tell them the song. So I said, I'm not going to do that. I thought we could sing it as part of the worship set. But then I thought, no, that would be pretty mean to Josh, even though they'd probably do a great job at it. But, but we sing that song, but that song takes us down a wrong path. Because if you remember the second verse of the song, it says, in the village, the peaceful village, The lion sleeps tonight. Ah. We picture this nice big kitty cat out there just sleeping away out on the edge of the jungle in the village. Everybody's happy. Things are going well. Well, guess what? We face a lion. But he's not sleeping tonight. Sure, it's New Year's Eve. Everybody stays up, right? (laughs) No, no. He never sleeps. He's always on the attack. And we need to beware. Because his desire, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, his desire is to cause you to choose to doubt and disobey God. And even though there may be some short-term satisfaction in whatever you choose to do to disobey God, the long-term results are disastrous. And so as we look forward to 2024, I want to encourage you, recognize and resist temptation. Say, I am going to trust that God, who is in control, has the plan that's best. And I am going to look to him and follow him. And so as we close, I want you to remember this little slogan. Hopefully you'll remember it more than you'll remember the song. But it's this, don't let the lion roar in 24. (laughs) All right? Let's have victory over temptation. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your goodness and your love. And I pray that you would help us today to resist temptation, Lord, to recognize that Satan is a powerful enemy, but Lord, in you we can have victory. Help us to resist temptation and to trust you. Lord, we pray as a church that we would honor and glorify you, and as individuals, we would have a year ahead where we would represent you well and reflect your love to a world that needs hope. Give us the strength. Help us to rely on your Holy Spirit and glorify you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.